Welcome everyone, this is Jared from Zen Hustlers and we're really excited to have you join us today for an interesting conversation. I will tell you who it's with in just one moment. We are Zen Hustlers, a free resource website for founders, entrepreneurs, Zen Hustler people who are trying to find balance on the edge. So what does that mean in your personal life, in your professional life? How can you find more balance to allow you to be more productive, sleep better, be healthier, and be happier with the work that you do and also in all the different relationships Relationships that you have at home and at work. So definitely head over to zenhustlers.com. You can join our communitas, which is a committed group of people who really believe in this mission. And we love to interview people who really live the ethos of the Zen Hustlers lifestyle. So not only are they super productive and they get a lot of stuff done, they really know how to take breaks, they know how to take care of themselves, and they know how to kind of pay it forward with the work that they do and all the different relationships. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to one of the founders or the founder of the Burnout Clinic, Duncan So. Thank you for joining us, Duncan. Hey, Jared. Thanks to be here. And I I love the philosophy of Jen Hustlers and super cool to be, to be contributing to your community. Cool. Well, we connected a little while ago when I saw what you guys were doing. I was like, what a perfect synergy. Burnout is such a common issue that we're going to address today. We're going to dive into that issue today. The term burnout, what does it mean? How do you address it and how do you overcome burnout? And so we're going to dive into that. So tell people a little bit about your background and how did this how did this thing come to be? Yeah, so sort of funny story. I mean, my, my background is actually in engineering. I'm a computer engineer by study. Uh, spent just under a decade in corporate IT and, and burned out, obviously. There was a story there. Um, but what sort of led to it, I, I went into a field called human flourishing for the next decade and focused on systemic change projects. So everything from future of money, future of work. I have a school in Ghana that we did that you know was touted as the future of rural education uh, by the World Economic Forum, by the you know, the, the, the UN and, and Global Council. And so a lot of fun things there around sort of, you know, sort of changing the world in that aspect. Um, and the Bernal Clinic was more of a, let me say, an, an accident. Um, so, you know, it's founded by myself and my wife. And, and, at, the, and then at that time was my girlfriend. Um, and so my wife's a coach, she's uh, in, in child youth care. And so she's been sort of on a social work front and been on the front lines of helping youth and myself being a, a systems change leader um, you know, do that sort of the same change of world type of work. And where we sort of fell into a collision space was we were doing all these really great things to change the world for the better, all about well-being and all those, all those good things. And then all the clients that start coming in, start having baggage. And we were like, interesting. Uh, you know, as much as I would love to share the new strategies, like how to upgrade yourself, essentially. Um, you know, how do we, we want to deal with the baggage and we could, we had interventions at that point where both, certified to do that but uh, in both our practices we're like well you know one i'm a school so i shouldn't be doing intervention work so why don't we do something different so my wife and i decide to to sort of like tag team and, and ask ourselves like how do we want to do this and let's let's put a clinic together to actually focus on recovery and intervention um and you know and do it very differently so that's sort of the beginning story of uh, the burnout clinic that's cool and tell people a little bit about your professional background what are some of your trainings yeah, so in terms of the clinical work, I'm board certified as a master practitioner in uh, neuro-linguistic programming uh, and mental emotional release. NLP, for those of us, the other <laughs> the world, we've heard that term, NLP. Yeah, NLP. 
the neuro linguistic programming and and so at the mastery level we we start moving into the therapy work so it's not just like you know how to master your mindset and psychology and be really good in persuasion and communication and sales but how do you do it internally to really do some you know cool stuff like you know address trauma address uh, deep-rooted uh, limiting beliefs how do you clear suppressed emotions and triggers and all those really cool things that you know in the initial sort of game of nlp was actually designed for therapists uh, and then just got really popularized because the world needed it, right? It was a think and grow rich era. And so it was really needed in terms of how to, you know, balance yourself uh, back to having healthy mindsets to doing positive and productive things. Cool. And when you first came to the idea of, I need to, I like how your sticker, I like how your bottle says burnout clinic. That's a good one. He slided it in there right there. Very strategic marketing. I love that as a marketing guy. So um, when you think of burnout, have you been through burnout yourself? Yeah, so back in the day of corporate IT, so this is, you know, pre the days of Silicon Valley startups, this is when Facebook was still like an idea, was still a, a website, right? Yeah. Um, so in, in that time, I was launching a telecom. Uh, so it was a, a Richard Branson telecom, it's called Virgin Mobile here in Canada. So yeah. lots of funding, $150 million of funding. You know, that was a type of startups back in the day. Um, and so literally from the ground up as a young engineer, um, spent you know, almost a decade there uh, from zero customers to like 3 million when we exited. It was quite a bit when, when our parent bought us out. And so it was challenging, right? It was those days pre-social media, pre-cell phone, and we brought in the Blackberry and I was on call. I literally came in the office at seven in the morning and I left the office around 8 p.m., 9 p.m. And so wow. you can imagine the world revolved around work. And you know, after a while of doing that, my world imploded, my relationships crashed, my health crashed, literally I was uh, stress picking, my entire right eyebrow was gone uh, through stress picking. And there was no term called burnout other than for like, you know, the medical or social work, the frontline work practice. And I call it a quarter life crisis. Like, oh my God, my life is imploding. Uh, yeah. What do I do? Um, and it was sort of through that burnout, which I decided to move into human flourishing. I want, I asked that really fundamental question of, you know, how do we really tap into our human potential and how do we achieve our greatness? And just, you know, my, and my life really, that's my purpose awakening. My life just started there. That's very cool. And when did the idea and the genesis come to the burnout clinic? And what was the general idea when you're like, we need to start a clinic and take me down that path with you? Yeah, it was really intervention, right? So, you know, because I'm in the systems change side, I do a lot of work with think tanks. Um, and so one group, obviously, is a World Economic Forum, so really big when it comes to sort of the global elite when it comes to economics. But mm -hmm. secondary to that is a group called Gallup, the Gallup Poll. Yeah, I know so, Gallup. Yeah. So they do in a very big picture. I call them like the grandparents of workplace engagement, right? So they, they're, I won't call them the inventors, but definitely the, the champions of workplace engagement. They start these, this whole survey revolution. And so like 2018-19, suddenly they start to double down on workplace burnout. And I was like, you know, what's going on? You went into engagement and now you have this, you know, styles of culture and HR changing a future of work and having these engaged workplaces and you're double downing on, on burnout, what's going on? Um, and the studies were at that time, 2018, 19 was like 40% of the workplace was, you know, sort of going through this burnout and it was a phenomenon they called the burnout crisis, mm -hmm. um, an epidemic that was growing. I was like, that's not good. Like, here I'm talking about human flourishing, but 
if I can't stop the bleed, all the work that I'm doing on the prevention side just goes down to the gutter. Yeah. Um, so that didn't help. And then years after that, now they're sort of, sort of bringing sort of light to the picture where from 40%, then it went up to like 50, 60% sort of, uh, you know, really led by like Qualcomm, SAP and, and Mindshare partners and a lot of work on trying to get some data, like data yeah. analysis and analytics around that space. And now pandemic has hit and it's like what, 70 that, to 75% is sort of the going average right now. That was exactly what I was gonna jump in. So where were we before the pandemic? And now where are we as far as relate? Do, when, so when you say burnout, does it encompass just work when you say it or does it encompass your home life, work and everything else in your life? Yeah, so from a more of a clinical lens or an experiential lens of what's coming in, it's full picture work. And that's just because you know, we see the same, you know, dialogue when it comes to, you know, mismatched relationships and lacking autonomy. And now the family and, and, and has like the roles are all blurred. The work roles are blurred. The family roles are blurred. You know, how does dad now respond? How does mom respond? Everything's a, a negotiation and kids are now just hammering at you and social media is hammering at you. So, you know, we I, see, you make uh, me cry. Be careful. Like you're, you're <laughs> true. That as a father of two boys, you may make me cry a little bit because I'm oh, like, yeah. man, I don't know my story so well. You so, know, so men are struggling, women are struggling, um, and you know, sort of like a, as a tiny lag, uh, the World Health Organization sort of pins it on the workplace. They call it like mismanaged or chronic stress in the workplace. Yeah, but you know, COVID is interesting because it's an amplifier. Like we see it, whether it's like civic movements or, or unrest or we see it in, in mental health or emotional health or yeah. wherever it is it amplifies these problems and so you know what we're going to have a redefinition very soon is sort of you know where burnout really flows and, and just really getting a strong grasp it's, it's a complex issue it's, it's very complex and yeah. how we deal with it needs to be very personalized so i'm really good at synthesizing so it doesn't just ex it doesn't just explain work it expands into the rest of your life and it encompasses everything in a holistic perspective when you talk about burnout. Yes. Okay. So again, come back to where were we, maybe a statistic, maybe something pre-pandemic and where are we now, if you have that kind of data? Yeah, so pre-pandemic, like groups like the Gallup poll, you know, have been sort of tracking it at roughly like 40%, a little higher for millennials. And the interesting story that happened with the pandemic, so we're, you know, a year plus a month in right now in the pandemic, but yeah. In 2020, um, you know, the workplace was just beginning to prioritize uh, workplace mental health. This big umbrella, big picture. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't want to alienate uh, uh, entrepreneurs. These entrepreneurs are sort of in that class of their own, right? Like they're just high complexity dealing with full, like, breadth of strategy all the way down to tactical. So it's sort of been in the ethos of entrepreneurship just because we're always very nimble and agile. But you, know, you can almost imagine the workplace is like roughly, you know, five to 15 years behind. Mm -hmm. And now the workplace is catching up entrepreneurship and agility and flattening of organizations. And so in 2020, uh, what was an interesting stat from a mental health lens was anxiety just went up the roof. So before the general stats were like, you know, what, like 20%, roughly parental principle, 20% of people had some form of mental health challenge issue or mental uh, illness sort of there and it's sort of like you know let's just be aware of that in the, in the mental in sort of that workplace there's a stigma there let's let's help address that yeah then the pandemic hit and that near flip it's almost like a polarization 
and eighty wow. percent. And that's just because one, you're in suddenly very comfortable work situation, and you're thrown into work from home. Now, for entrepreneurs, it's like that's me day to day, right? Like I have yeah, to deal with that. I was that. already doing that, so that and that that you know I I fall into that category, and I was already doing that. So the work from home. And the and the quarantines and those things didn't really shift that much. It was all the added elements of homeschool. Yeah. My other partners in the house still like all these people are still in the same space, sharing space. That for everybody, I think, was probably the biggest differentiator. Was all of a sudden, everyone's schedules were completely done. I had a great healthy schedule prior to COVID. Personally, that went out the window in March of last year. And it's been like a rebuild. It's almost like we went through an earthquake and everything got shook up and we have to go like, okay, we got to rebuild, but how do we rebuild? Because what's the world we're living in to rebuild? And I think that's one of the other angles I want to talk with you about is we're kind of living in a new paradigm almost. It reminds me of Y2K and 2012 of the mind calendar shift of a big, massive transformational shift, but it happened in 2020 starting in 2019. And now we're like, well, what do we value? And I think for me, that's been a big question of, okay, things are really different. And it really helps me figure out, well, what's really important? What do I value? And coming back to that as a center point. And I know we're kind of jumping into strategies for coping mechanisms. But for me, it's been like, okay, what's important here? Life is important. Health is important. Family is important. And everything else kind of was like, whoop, out the window. So have you felt a little bit like that through the pandemic? Let's talk about the pandemic for a little bit. Yeah, so the pandemic is interesting. And and I'll call it to, you know, our fellow community of entrepreneurs. And it's not that entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs have have been going through burnout. It's been sort of the, what we call the psychological toll of burnout that's been in literature for like maybe almost like eight years. So the workplace is just catching up. Now, the challenge with entrepreneurs with the pandemic is it's not about remote work and flexibility, because autonomy is what we're looking for, and, and entrepreneurs are great at utilizing autonomy. The, re- the reverse is true in our case. We're stuck at home, and so we can't go to the coffee shop. We can't go to the gym. We can't go to all those different outlets that enable us to be flexible and, and work with autonomy and be productive and use all these great 2080 rules or whatever it is. Yeah. And suddenly the challenge that the workplace is seeing right now, but not new to the entrepreneur is you're at home. And before it was, let's have really great strategies in terms of enforcing boundaries for career. Entrepreneurs are okay at it, pretty good at it. Workplace is completely new. And so that's like, what do we do? And compounded where it's completely net new for everyone is it's not about setting boundaries for the workplace, right? Like emails, when to turn off, when to turn on, when to do all those different things is my screaming kid that is screaming not because they're angry, they're just happy. There's, you know, they're just there to, I want attention. They're now bullying you essentially, right? They're doing what we don't want to do in the workplace, but in real life. And so kids or your significant other, right? Like if, you know, I'm in the clinic, I'm a co-founder with my wife and my wife has emotional needs. Her her personality type is is very extroversion. So uh, she needs that outlet where she needs to talk to people. She's to bounce ideas off. So you can imagine when I'm like focused, doing focused, deep work. And she's like, honey, just talk, like just, just hear me out and just going at it. I've, I've broken my cycle and we're still enforcing boundaries and all these things are happening. And so, yeah. you know, I don't have, you know, I live in a loft. I don't have a basement where I can hide in. 
So literally, she can hear my calls. I can hear her calls. It's, yeah. it's an interesting situation. I'm not at a coffee shop anymore. Yeah. Um, and so all of this new complexity has created a cognitive load. It's an overwhelm. Um, yeah. And it's the challenge is we don't have, many of us are going through, you know, I won't go as far as a traumatic situation, but just a, like a change, right? Like a really rapid change. And so our nervous system is having challenges to cope with it. And so we cope with it. I mean, there's not much release and sort of new strategies. Let's cope with it, move to the next day. And what we've seen right now is, you know, from heightened levels of anxiety, heightened levels of frustration, a lot of pent up energy, not knowing where to go is either exploding or imploding, either or, depending on a sort of natural temperament. And the challenge is we're a year plus in and our coping strategies have now are beginning to sort of harden their habits. That's the problem. So that's where we move from general mental health and well-being down yeah. to burnout the narrative. Yeah, and I and I think bringing that word habits in is really important. We're going to talk about some of those coping mechanisms, but I like how you frame it. Of you know those coping mechanisms are becoming rooted into routine and habits, and that it reminds me of like chronic stress. It's not a temporal thing. It's becoming too chronic, like any injury would be. And I, I you know I always have to remind people like there's stress, which is normal and healthy, and then there's chronic stress, which is that ongoing every day burn which is just reducing your capacity your health and all your capabilities mm -hmm. as a human to be alive um so that's a good point so what are some of the mechanisms at the burnout clinic and how do you get someone who doesn't self-identify it reminds me of like alcoholism like no, no no i got a lot going on but i'm fine so how do we address the people that aren't acknowledging they're overwhelmed and the people that are scrambling for resources, right? Yeah, so, you know, the, the concept that I'm sharing right now as sort of a, a general umbrella uh, idea is this notion of a prevention intervention mix. Now it applies to workplaces, applies to entrepreneurs, applies to individuals. And so the notion is if you're not burnt out, prevention is great. You wanna have the healthy practices, like drink your water, your nutrition, your exercise, all those great things, do your mindfulness, do your meditation, do all that jazz and, 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 and it's great. When you have it though, right? So when I say when you have it, whether you identify with it or not, it's a feeling. So if you're feeling fatigue, if you're feeling exhaustion, if you're feeling anxiety and, and chronic worry, your sleep is being impacted. If, you know, thanks to the news that we see every day, you know, you're having this sort of cynical worldview, like it's increasing. Before it was like optimism now to like, I'm a realist and now just pure negative, right? Like the world is going down in a, in a, in a, in a you know, explosion, right? Um, or even like performance efficacy. So for entrepreneurs, it's a big one, right? Is you come in, you have the autonomy, you have more responsibility just because you don't want to be stuck in the corporate world. You want to make an impact or, or make more money or whatever it is, put that responsibility in, on your own shoulders. And suddenly, literally the weight of that responsibility just shuts you down. Like you have challenges making decisions. You have challenges thinking clear, right? It's brain fog, all those different things all the way to the extreme, like I mentioned for in my case was um, what we call a life crisis is now the heart attack kicks in, right? Now you're gonna have a divorce. Now like everything around your, your area is just imploding on you, it's exploding. And you're having what we call this dark night of the soul, right? It's like, who am I? What's the purpose? Why am I here? Why am I, you know, ah, and it's just so existential that you're having sort of an identity crisis. Um, and so those are all these different paths that uh, indicators of, of burnout. And so the prevention intervention mix says, 
if you don't experience those, keep double down on prevention. That's you know the way to go. If you're starting to experience experience that, it's a matter of early to late stage. And the only concept you have that people have to really know in terms of identification is what we call the point of no return. And so what I mean by that, and it goes back down to habits and why from a recovery strategy lens, uh, the clinic does it in a very different way than probably 90, 99% of the world when it comes to burnout, looking at burnout, is we know it's habitual. NLP takes it from the lens, from your nervous system as, you know, their beliefs, their suppressed emotions, their triggers, their memories, their values, or all these different things that are literally the software inside of you that um, expresses who you are. And when you're going through burnout, the challenge isn't that, oh, I can't willpower my way out of it. I just can't be more resilient or more tough or have more grit and, and cope essentially, right? Um, is we can't help ourselves, right? If there is a drive of, I'm not enough on the inside and you're an entrepreneur, for example, big one, right? I'm an entrepreneur inside you have a, I'm not enough limiting belief and it just drives you to serve. You can't stop even though people are telling you and you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. Or you have an inner conflict. Big one for entrepreneurs is, especially early stages is, oh man, like when I'm doing well, it's feast or famine, right? Like as an entrepreneur, you can crush it. Or there's times where I got to pay everyone out before I pay myself. It's it's the burden of, of a leader, right? Yeah. Compared to a workplace where you have a steady paycheck, yes, you don't have the up, uptake reward, but you know, you have a steady pay, paycheck and you know, you may have a significant other or kids or dependents or whatever it is. And the inner conflict is, should I stop my venture and go back into the work world, even though I know it will crush my soul? That's a big inner conflict for entrepreneurs. And so it doesn't matter if you make that decision or not, you're literally ha- you're in a decision paralysis mode because you're so drained by that tension, that inner conflict that you can't go full all like, you know, burn the boat, storm the island type of thinking when it comes to your, your business. And you're humming and hawing, looking at the, your exit strategy that you really don't want, right? So that emotional toll is real. And so when it comes to recovery, so that's sort of prevention, intervention mix, we have eight areas that we focus on. So let's cover big picture and it gives you sort of, because everyone sort of like, oh, this is the roadmap sort of to go to. So the first one you mentioned, values, right? So personal values, and I'm not talking about like some branding exercise, like, you know, how to create your marketing avatar, right? I'm talking about like uh, your, your hierarchy of values that you were, Uh, imprinted as a child that when you go through that hierarchy, your neurology lights up. Like you get excited, right? Naturally, intrinsically motivated. And this is all areas of life, not just career, right? Career is great. It's a prevention strategy for for work work values fit, right? Relationships, your health or whatever, you always want to be motivated internally and not require external rewards. Yeah. Values, hands down, that's number one. Uh, Number two is what we call energy and priority management, which values plays a role as well. As it says, how do I properly set boundaries around how I use my energy? Because it's finite, right? No matter how much you want to biohack our way out of it and use all these different breathing techniques or sleeping techniques or, or diet techniques or keto diets or, or you know, autophagy or whatever it is, there's a limit, right? There is a limit. So you might as well lean back on a system and a framework. And it says, you know, how do I look at what's important to me in all areas of my life? And instead of doing this whole like do like sort of do more with less and then do more is do more with less recover and focus on the things that one fulfill you and two let the extrinsic rewards be the byproduct of sort of that space that's number two number three is what we call 
um, state management, mental and emotional, right? So this is the stuff that, you know, you get into your mindset work, right? Um, where it looks at how do you audit your beliefs? How do you reprogram your beliefs? How do you look at what's driving you inside? You almost think of it that limits you, take that out, reprogram something positive in, uh, and not through some sort of willpower approach. And secondly, how do you begin to release emotions, right? Or get into peak performance states? And so as an example, just uh, you know, a quick plug into the clinic, you know, different approaches to do it, like different paths to the same outcome. Using NLP and using mental emotion release or timeline therapy is what we use. As quickly as 20 minutes, we release a trauma or a phobia. So you can imagine when it comes to um, psychosomatic sort of emotional release work that people go through, you go through a, a, uh, you know, a trigger of anger. You're stuck there until you run, like, you know, you can't, you can't be like angry and someone says, hey, Jared, you're, you're kind of angry right now. And you're like, yeah, I know. Okay, calm within and everything's good, right? You know, your kids are running around and suddenly you're anxious. You, you got to play it out. And that can be very draining. And so our practice is fast. We clear those right out at the root cause. And so state management, really key. Um, the that's nice area- I didn't, I Just to interrupt you for a sec. I, that's yeah. been one of my key- um factors where i studied it with a couple of different th people primarily probably tony robbins mm -hmm. about trying to get into your body and, and have that quick state change yeah. because that allows you to move through it faster not get away from it just move through it faster so you can get back to a place of oh i can think again because in that headspace you literally cannot think you can't think productively or strategically yeah. It's fight or flight. Your brain is like firing all these different chemicals that are not helping you at that moment. You're not really being attacked by the lion. And you just really, you have to just, what I do is I just remove myself. Yeah. And physically, emotionally, I just have to go, I, I need a break. I need to just walk away. Nature helps me. It helps to just go be in nature. And it, and it, and it is a quick turnaround as far as a state reversal. Um, and then I can even, even just a few minutes now, I can just shift. It's not fully gone because there's that underlying kind of like trauma that happened from it, but you can get back to a place of, okay, at least I can communicate now and I can think a little bit like what was really going on in that conversation that got me upset, you know, but in the moment we can't do that. I mean, that's been the fallacy of like, oh yeah, yeah, just, you know, get over it. It's like, no, you've got to go through it, figure out what the hell happened and then try to re-strategize next time. Yeah, and I want just a quick add on to that is, you know, yeah. and, uh, and it sort of goes back on to sort of a good segue into the next piece. But it's about willpower. And so like Tony Robbins, you can do a state shift and it's all about resilience. So resilience training is sort of the number one training now in terms of mental health in the workplace. Um, it's good. I mean, you'll have a hard life moving forward, but the challenge of resilience and willpower is something like burnout eats willpower for breakfast. Unfortunately, it's just the nature of burnout. If it was anything else, different yeah. story, right? If it was a mindfulness type thing, different story. Burnout, you're already fatigued and you're exhausted and willpower can go in easily in two different ways. One is poor sleep, right? The second is blood sugar. And blood sugar can be everything from diet to stress to you name it, right? Yeah. And so you can imagine the challenge of like, you know, trying to use it. And I love it. I love how Tony Robbins uses physiology because that's a really quick way uh, yeah. other than doing something to move into a state shift. Yeah. But if you're consistently triggered, like your your kids aren't going to stop going dad unless you set a boundary uh, until and they, and they grow up. So it's going to become an ongoing, like how many times can you state shift until it just becomes harder and harder and harder, right? That's yeah. sort of resilience and willpower. And so, you know, moving 
sort of into the next sort of area for recovery is around purpose yeah. and meaning, right? So entrepreneurs love, especially your community Zen hustlers, like that's when you know you got to do things with purpose and meaning in one specific state. Um, and I'm not talking about some metaphysical thing, I'm talking about like an emotional state and a feeling is passion, right? So passion is a really, really, really great indicator to know that you're on track. And the good news about passion is it, it's high octane fuel, I call it. You can last a bit longer. I was, it's so funny you said that. I was about to call it, it's rocket fuel, yeah. but it's not the engine and it's not all the other components, just the rocket fuel part. Right. And so the thing with passion is it allows you to be more resilient, more grit, more yeah. tough. And that's what entrepreneurs and change makers need, right? Because you're going, yeah. you're, you're literally intentionally hitting yourself against the wall. It's not some like easy peasy, you know, let me just go through A, B, C, D, E and call it a day. Um, and so the good news about that is passion is an amazing fuel. At the same time, it doesn't mean it's like a get out of jail free card. Um, yeah. Eventually passion would get you in a burnout. Um, and you'll know because you're essentially, if that's your go-to state, once your passion dwindles, your interest dwindles and what you love becomes more of a nuisance, then it's not to like reinvent the wheels, just, hey, take a break. Like that's it. Like that's so easy compared to everything else I'm going to deal with is I'm in passion mode, not in passion mode, take a break, right? Yeah. Really easy sort of step to go to. And obviously yeah. finding purpose and meaning is a, a whole, you know, school in itself. Um, and the next piece is what we call like navigating collective belief systems. Um, okay. And this is really important, especially for your community is you want to make change. You want to create a business. You want to add value to a specific community. If you don't know the collective thinking, so you have values that's personal values. Mm -hmm. And then what are the collective beliefs that surround that? For example, and I love this in the change making spaces, you know, somebody says, I want to, I want to change how, uh, it'll reduce crime rates in this area because, you know, if we introduce entrepreneurship in this space, people can commercialize, gain their freedom, all that type of jazz, life yeah. will be well. And so there's a really great story where there was a project that did that. They went in, they taught all these at-risk youth and, and those who are thinking of going into crime to just basically commercialize and be like entrepreneurs. Did that, by the way, finished the frameworks to then have the same collective group decide to bully them and use crime as a way to say, hey, I'm gonna take a fee for you to operate here, wow. for example, which is like, wow. So you can imagine, you don't know sort of the ecology or the, the environment you're in. Um, you're up for a lot of energy, sort of not just wasted, but spent, and then you're on an uphill battle. Um, and what do you, you what do you, how do you get a sense of what that collective mentality is? Is it surveying interviews? Like, how do you get some sense of that? Yeah, I have, a whole, I have a whole program on that, but literally it's, it's basically around the notion that um, there are school patterns of thought um, and there's enough um, repetition in these, or, or predictability in these patterns that you know sort of what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, where it tends to go, what are the lessons that need to be learned and sort of getting there, you sort of get the whole stream of consciousness essentially, right? Where people's thinking are at and where they'll get locked into, right? Yeah. Um, and so really important if you want to recover from burnout and not cope is understanding that really gives you a leg up. Um, and sort of the last area that I want to cover is, and this is more like, you know, but it, it flows into your community is what we call a sense of philosophy, right? Especially when it comes to whole well-being. For Zen hustlers, it's Zen, right? Because Zen has a philosophy around it. Yeah. Uh, 
could be Ikigai, it could be like Wu Wei, it could be Fika, it could be Ubuntu, it could be whatever it is, right? It's, you know, find a philosophy um, that has a holistic, integrative, whole person view, um, which goes into those so value systems, right? Um, and that's going to be super helpful when it comes to helping you guide towards new behaviors and practices moving forward in, in your recovery. Yeah, and I, you know, just to be clear, we've modernized what we feel like Zen is. It's minimalism, focus on values, focus on simplicity, back to your life to get back to those that core area by removing the clutter of other things in your life. Um, and it's not traditional Zen in in the texts. So we're trying to modernize the term here because the danger. And, and this is why it's a yin-yang community, we're being told to hustle as hard and as often as we can. And there's a couple of names I won't mention that are always saying that to us. Yeah. And you can try that for a few years. And you know, you're an example of that. At, at a young age, you were doing that and burning out. So it doesn't matter if you're older or younger, you're mm -hmm. gonna experience the burnout, but just it's fine to be that mindset and we didn't, even, we didn't even go into like the hustle mindset of how that gets formed. It's usually from our parents or someone in our lives, either in, in support of your parents or in reaction to your parents, most of the time of how you were raised. Um, and then finding that, that balance point of like, okay, great. I can be super productive. I can create a lot in the world. I can make, I can be a change agent and I better take care of myself, my family, my relationships, my health. Otherwise I will be useless. It's very much of the oxygen mask mentality of like, I got to put it on first to serve others, but we get caught in this hustle cycle. Of we want to produce, we want to be effective, we want to create an impact and growth and blah blah blah. And before you know it, you, you've worked eighty hours that week. You're completely burned out. You don't even know what you ate, who you talked to, what you did, but you made a bunch of stuff happen. And it's that like productivity kind of trap of like I'm being super productive, but now where does it lead me? Yeah, so I do want to do justice to hustle at the same time. Yeah. So hustle mentality will never go away. In fact, hustle is a good thing. Now you got to remember like hustle, like back in our, our parents' generation, it's like, yeah, time. Like, you know, there was before pre-dial up internet, right? There was time and hustling would be like, like, like doing passive work today, right? And so a few things are happening today that amplify COVID being a, an exception to the rule, right? Because COVID really is amplifying it. One is technology, right? So technology, social media, that's crushed, like it's crushing people. And the old mentality, the industrial mentality is we kind of want to be more like machines. That's why we have this whole like transhumanism, Elon Musk, Neuralink type of movement, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, we're not. Back in the day, it's kind of cool, right? It's kind of cool that we have technology and it'll dis displace work so that we can actually relax. And what we didn't know systemically was that, well, we actually kind of want to be like machines and we can't. And so you know, technology has done us not a poor service necessarily, it's just our, our thinking hasn't caught up to where technology is today because it's going to be exponential. Uh, and number two is the internet. It's what we call hyper-connection um, and it's super unique. Uh, and, and what happens is we have you know, physically on the internet so much like quintillion terabytes or whatever of data that, that gets stored every year. But you can imagine all of those are thoughts and, 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 and ideas and, and activity. And the more data you have is has to stem from somewhere. You could imagine it's coming from us. And so we're just creating so much um, that a lot of it, it's noise and, it's, and, and our bodies can't take it. And mm. so hustle is good, um, 
and being aware that there are uh, things at place in play in 2021 that did not exist a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago or 10,000 years ago or however far like our, yeah. our, our you know whatever we've dug out of the ground right um, so like you said yourself you're uh, you know you're sort of reintegrating and re-updating sort of zen and all these old philosophies to something that's modern right that takes into yeah. account to all these different you know things that we see today um, and, and trying to, how do you even go as far as strike a balance? Because at this point is, you know, just very aware that we got to turn ourselves around because um, we, you know, won't go as far as we're moving to the next mass extinction, human extinction. Um, but definitely the, the level of activity that we're moving towards is not, uh, not very healthy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a sec. So what are some simple things to help people get started the journey? Obviously, they're going to, I'm going to put your website up during this, theburnoutclinic.com, and allow people to get involved and kind of learn more. But what are some simple steps that people can take? Is it reflection? Is it finding a habitual healthy practice to ground and center them? What do you, what do you give a couple of top tips to get people started down the journey? Yeah, the top one, and, and, and Jared, you call this one out, is values, right? Values. So, I mean, you did it accidentally because of COVID, um, and, and you're on that path, right? And for yeah. many who um, aren't as intentional as that is, you know, this is the perfect time to start looking at what's important to you, right? Um, yeah. And have that begin to influence your decision-making. Um, and something as simple as 2080 rule, right? It's like, you know, where can I put the least amount of effort to get the most amount of impact? But then where I'll, I'll stop everyone is that doesn't mean you can do more, right? It just means once you have that, the difference is rest and recovery. Yeah. Right? Because that's a really important part of the equation and just start there. Uh, that's a really, really life and, and game changing place to start. So the next thing I wanna mention is you have that free assessment on your website. We're gonna put a link to it. Um, give people a little insight about what that what is that free assessment helping them with? Yeah, so the first piece for of two freebies that I'd love to share with the community. The first one is the assessment. Um, so I like to call it a discovery tool. So I won't go as far as a, as a diagnostic just because burnout is very complex. So I think it does that, uh, it doesn't do it uh, serve it justice. Um, so it's more of a discovery uh, sort of a survey because it looks at all the different categories and indicators of burnout. And what we, when you do, when you fill it out, isn't a matter of do you have it or not? It's uh, are you experiencing more or less of these different indicators? And once you do that, we're able to at least give you some data to inform you if you know, you're good to go, you're normal, like, you know, and, and it's not because we said so, it's because you said so, we're just sort of uh, re-expressing what you've said that, you know, just keep calm and carry forward with self-care and, and, and that way. And then there's like sort of that early stage sort of, hey, we're starting to see this sometimes and more often, be more cognizant, especially in these areas, right? And this is where, um, you know, yes, you can do self-care and stuff, but there's, this is, it's a time for you to now begin DIYing your own intervention steps, right? Uh, and then we have like the point of no return, right? Like, okay, you, you clearly, you know, you have, you're, you're triggered, you have panic attacks, you're, all these different things are coming up. Um, even if you wanted to DIY yourself out of it, it's very difficult. It's like trying to quit smoking, it's very difficult, right? And, I'm, um, and we're not recommending that ever. We're like, you know, you call out the issue and then get get support, like fast. And, and, and that's where it's great because this yeah, I mean, it, you know, after after a few of the, our most successful, um, productive people in the world started committed suicide, we created a crisis page. It's like, hey, we realize 
we've got to start talking about crisis um, from a su suicidal standpoint, drug overdose standpoint, even pharmaceutical drug overdose standpoint, because it's getting to that point where people are pushing themselves so hard, they're like, I'm done, I'm checking out, this is too much. So we're always trying, like, if, and this is like our PSA for the day is like, look, if you're at, at anywhere near that level, please talk to someone in your life, like, please reach out. And there's free services, there's anonymous services, there's friends, like, make it clear to people that like, you can't continue down the path you're going and you just need support, um, whatever that looks like for you. So on the essence of time, Duncan, we're gonna wrap up. This has been fascinating. I've just been like a sponge kind of trying to absorb your steps and all the different things in your product and, and the services that you offer. So we're gonna put a link to your services. It's been so exciting. Any, any last words you wanna leave people thinking about? Uh, yeah, so I mean, we are in a very unique situation. So in terms of the pandemic, so don't, you know, it's it's going to be normal to cope, uh, but there will be a point when you just put on your back burner, right? There will be a point where it's like, co like coping is, isn't a, a strategy. Um, yeah. and, and there'll be a time and it may not be now. So I just want to be sensitive with that. It may not be now, but just put it in the back of our mind if there is one uh, sort of minor tip to, to put in there is there will be a time for recovery. And so set those boundaries for yourself now, right? And when you cross those thresholds, take action on that recovery. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Duncan. That was so great. If you have any questions for Duncan, head over to theburnoutclinic.com. We'll put links obviously to everything that you guys are doing. And I just love what you've committed yourself to. So thank you. And I've gotten a lot of today and hopefully our listeners will too. You're welcome and thank you as well. As we know, folks, burnout's real. Stress and overwhelm are real. We heard it here today from the expert. And we wanna just invite you to get support. Head over to zenhustlers.com. We've got work from home resources. We've got daily ritual guides. We've got a community online of people that really believe in this ethos and these values. So we're here for you. You're not alone. And we're all out to support you on your journey towards balance. It is a journey, not a destination. Thanks for joining everybody. Talk to you soon. Take care.